Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. This is our 12th bonus show. And my name is Henry. Uh, no Chloe this time around. She was, wishes she could be here, but joining us after a, a long hiatus is our my friend Paul Davis. Paul? Happy, happy to be here again, Henry. I think the last time I was here was... Um, the DC... Yeah, almost a year ago? Yeah, just about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was on the, the DC Cinematic Universe bonus show, and it's nice to see you again. We haven't talked really, or at least seen each other since that, so it's good to see you, man. Yeah, yeah um, it's been a heck of time, so... It's been quite a quite a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this time around, we are going to be talking the Hellboy franchise, specifically Hellboy and Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, the two... Uh, Guillermo del Toro films, and then the 2019 Hellboy reboot with David Harbour and Sasha, Sasha Lane. And who knows, we might touch on some other stuff. Paul is a, a big comic book aficionado and graphic novels. That's just, that's your thing. Um, so, well, yeah, we'll see. Thank you so much for, uh, I can't talk today. Thank you so much for <laughs> donating and downloading. It goes to help support the show. Well, how's it going, Paul? What's new? Um, it's going pretty well. Um, I've been working. Uh, I spent, you know, a year as a teacher right now. I'm spending uh, some time working as a writer on another podcast, same show, um, that's hosted by another friend of mine who also is a UNCG alum. Actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, School of Business. Um, so I've just been doing that. Uh, I've always liked Hellboy the comics. Um I started reading the comics from uh, the movies, and I have way from way, way, way back when. I think this was like my junior year of high school, so like ten ish, going on eleven years ago. Yeah, uh, I have from Heroes Con here in Charlotte a signed Mike Mignola Hellboy comic. Nice. Uh, so it's a it's a prized possession of mine. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So I was. Really looking forward to uh, to watching these. I hadn't seen the I hadn't seen the David Harbor one yet. So. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's where I started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I with Hellboy. I actually it may have been because I didn't watch the t- first two until college. It may have actually been you just in conversation that caused me to watch them. I. Well, I mean, we'll get to it. I, I don't have a whole lot of connection to it other than it being in a genre that I like, but there's something about them that is just very interesting and has always brought me back to it. And I'm really excited to talk about them because, I mean, there's not a whole lot of re- Hellboy relevance right now, but that's okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. just talking, talking movies. So that's cool. 
Well, I mean, we can, we have a lot to talk about. Anything else you want to mention beforehand? Any? God, no. I mean, um, I think that Hellboy 1 might have been my first Guillermo del Toro movie, like overall. Right. Just in general. Um, I don't know how many people that's the case for. I mean, I know a lot of people started like Pan's Labyrinth, which is fine. I mean, it's a great film. It's a good starting point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, this, this is, a. Uh, I understand why, you know, you think that it's, you, you refer to it as special. And I think that that definitely is the case, but, uh, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to dig deep into, into why that is once we, once we get going. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I guess we can get into the first Hellboy, which came out in 2004. And it's directed by Guillermo del Toro. It stars Ron Perlman, John Hurt, Selma Blair, Rupert Evans, uh, Carol or Carl Roden, Jeffrey Tambor, Doug Jones, and many others. And the synopsis is a demon raised from infancy after being conjured by and rescued from the Nazis grows up to become a defender against the forces. Of darkness. So uh, this one made 99.8 million against a budget of around 65, 60 million. So not a not a big hit commercially, but yeah. that's kind of there. That's the Hellboy thing. It looks like. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's Guillermo's thing. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Paul, I guess since you are the more well versed, do you want to kick things off? Sure. I mean. Uh, I love the the plot description because I think that it makes the movie sound a lot more epic than it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, the Hellboy movies definitely have, like, you know, the, the Guillermo ones definitely have, like, fun set pieces, especially the second Hellboy film has, like, some really great action pieces. The first one does, too. Um, but it makes it sound so grand, so epic, and then you start watching it, and, like, it's very heavily centered around character drama. Yeah. Um, you know, he really digs into Hellboy's relationship with his father, you know, with Liz, um, you know, how he's challenged by this awkward twerpy guy, you know, Jonathan. Um, and then every once in a while you get interrupted by Rasputin doing evil things. And like, yeah. that's really, uh, how I feel about the first Hellboy. Um, <laughs> And that's not a bad thing, but, you know, that, that plot synopsis, and that's also probably why it didn't perform, you know, yeah. outstandingly. Is, you know, it's like, I wanted a demon-fighting Nazis and the other forces of evil, you know, Indiana Jones mm -hmm. with a stone fist, and I got uh, Amelie with a demon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah. Basically. So, what do you think? Uh, well... As I mentioned, I, I saw these back in college for the first time, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I did not like them when I first saw them. I just, okay. I don't know. I, I thought they were kind of dull, a little cheesy, a little too cheesy for me, and I kind of wrote them off. But something about them stuck with me, and I felt the urge to rewatch them. And so I probably have rewatched them once a year, and each time they go up. Uh, especially having rewatched all three this week, you see the difference. Yeah. The big, the big differences <laughs> between uh, Del Toro and the Neil Marshall reboot. I, I, I like the, the first Hellboy. It's Guillermo Del Toro 
and it's maybe more so the second one, but he has such a great eye for not only character designs, but using them sparingly. And so like he'll, you know, inject an amazing character or creature for two or three minutes in a film and then they'll be gone. Mm -hmm. And so rewatching them, you're just kind of like waiting for those moments in in a good way, Mm -hmm. you know, and in this, the Rasputin or the, not, not him, the, um, the, the, the surgical Cronin. Yeah. Yeah. That, that character design is incredible Mm -hmm. and so many interesting ideas. I really wish that he was in it more, Mm -hmm. but I, I like Ron Perlman uh, a lot. One thing with Del Toro, I don't always love his humor. That would Mm -hmm. probably be my least favorite thing about a lot of his movies. It doesn't really do that much for me. I I like the first Hellboy. I don't know if it's, you know, a favorite or best of for me, but I, I still enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, um, that first Hellboy, um, for me, I think the elephant in the room whenever I have to talk with anyone about the first Hellboy is the Jonathan Myers character. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just a wet blanket. Um, and not even in a funny way like Manning, you know, the, no. the other head of the bureau. Um, he's just boring. He's just there to be a moralist and a boy scout. And that's a thankless job. And the, um, uh, Evans, the actor of Myers does the best that he can with a pretty thankless part. Um, yeah. but talk about an uphill battle. Um, mm-hmm. I think Cronin's one of the best parts of the first Hellboy villain wise. Uh, the other thing that I really enjoy is of course the Hound of Resurrection. Um, I love the design. I love that it's oftentimes a dude in just a suit with mechanical Mm -hmm. attachments um, who's doing his best to look like an animal. Um, Rasputin is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The first Hellboy is not... um, It is not... The Hope Diamond, right? This thing is not pristine and precise and beautiful. Um, It's got some some spots, some cracks, some stains, some fades. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, I think that what it really nails is Hellboy. You know, it's kind of Mm -hmm. like the first Captain America movie. What it really nails is your hero. Like, you want Hellboy to succeed. You're with him on the journey. You want him to stop acting like a child. Uh, all the time um because you do see like you know those those brief little glittering moments that that the other characters get to see um and yeah you know as far as design the real like the real world of it is all very stark and staid and then you just get this big perfectly colored in every single scene red figure that's just striking with the right trench coat the right silhouette um, and you know, the, the look of Abe, um, the ichthosapien, just, he absolutely nails it. He nails that sort of comic book aesthetic. Um, but in that first movie, it is also considerably darker. You know, it's a very gray and blue tone color palette. It's not as yeah. visually striking, you know, out of the three Hellboys. For me, it's kind of, you know, um, it is a great starting point. It's a great handshake, but, it, it's hard to make um, an introduction ultra, ultra compelling. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think we've been having a, an influx of origin stories recently, and I appreciate this one for being for coming out the time that it did when there weren't that many, but it still doesn't really change the fact that it's not always that interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the time frame. You know, if we put it in context, 2004, so this is like four years after the first Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, a few years after the second one, we're in between X-Men films, we're in between Spider-Man films. Batman Begins comes out next year. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so when you look at it in comparison to like everything that was coming out alongside it at the time, this is actually, I think, really one of the glowing examples of a film that really hit it out of the park, you know, yeah. if I compare it to like X-Men 1. Um, yeah. And I love Batman Begins, but I rewatched it recently and I was like, I could have cut a few minutes out of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I love them. They're great. Uh, but yeah, when you put it in terms of its context, like this is even more, I think, of a, of a hitter. It doesn't age as well as I would like. But yeah, when you put it back in back in 2004, this was like, oh, man, this is great. This is the guy that did Blade 2 bringing us a, another yeah. awesome, edgy sort of night figure uh, superhero. Yeah. It, one thing that you brought up there are and it's very much of the time there are too many color filters yeah. in this movie <laughs> like like uh twilight did it a couple years later mm -hmm. you know that blue filter and that's the same thing in this it's constant i i just don't like it it doesn't mm -hmm. look very good and thankfully they changed that in the in the sequel but i don't always love the look of it and you know the the cg is a bit dated at times but the one great thing about Del Toro is that he almost always tries to use practical effects. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think so many elements of these films hold up even more so than the reboot, which just came out a year ago. Yeah, it looks like trash already. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. It's time what, will come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think of the 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 romance of Hellboy? Do you think the? Uh, I mean, it's it's. I find love triangles often a little trite. Um, yeah. Because I know for a fact that Liz isn't going to end up with John. Mm -hmm. This is the only time that a love triangle has surprised me was probably Hunchback of Notre Dame when I was a child, <laughs> and she didn't end up yeah. with Quasimodo. So. Um, it's fine, you know, the it's a good base. We get to see these characters. I at least understand Selma Blair's perspective. Um I think she does have in this movie at least better chemistry with um Myers than Hellboy. Maybe that's just, you know, she's not comfortable with the process and of talking to, you know, this person who's head to toe red. Um yeah. And maybe that was causing her a little bit of a disconnect, but it's one of the weaker elements of the first Hellboy, I would probably say. Yeah, it it's maybe a again, it's maybe a product of the time. I don't know, but it's it's even in the sequel, though, I think that's my least favorite part. It, it just feels almost obligatory because mm -hmm. it's a blockbuster, you know, I Selma Blair in this I like and I, I like the the character. 
they're an, an interesting, you know, like this internal or I guess her, hers is more internal anger and, and, and anxiety, whereas his is, of course, more outward, I guess, just because of his appearance and, and how those balance each other out, which is interesting. But as for the actual love story, you know, I, I, I could that could be lost. It is better than uh, one year later, Rachel and uh, and Bruce in Batman. <laughs> yeah. Begins. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. For <laughs> sure. I, I do love the opening sequence, the origin of Hellboy, where there's the the portal and all of that. I, I think mm-hmm. and since it does, it's uh, done again in the reboot. I love it in this. It's mm-hmm. stylized. It's over the top. The costumes and everything about it, I I think, are great. John Hurt, always wonderful. R.I.P. Yeah. He's he's just such a figure of I don't know of comfort. I feel like when he's on screen, it's like it's there's just an understanding, and not just in this movie. I, th- I think he just has that great presence. He does, you know. Um, whether I need him to be warm whether i need him to be cold you know he's very good at immediately really bringing that into a room with whatever character he is with broom he's always warm he's always fatherly he always feels you know how i want professor broom to feel um and yeah you know all the way back when i was a kid when he was mr Ollivander, he walked in i didn't know what to make of him was he a good guy was he a bad guy i don't know he was a little he was a little odd yeah, um, but John Hurt does just have that presence um, and that ability to just kind of be there. Uh, what's yeah. uh, as a little funny side note, not related to Professor Broom, but related to Abe. Um, so the first movie, the body is Doug Jones, who does uh, creature work for Guillermo all the time, right? Um, but the voice is David Hyde Pierce who was of course in Frasier and uh Down See that was, I see I I didn't know that that was driving me crazy when I first saw this mm-hmm. I was thinking that's David Hyde Pierce I know it is and then I saw the cast I was like and it it drove me crazy but that's so comforting to know yeah. that it, it was him and uh they brought him in and you know, he agreed to do it, but ultimately he wasn't quite sure why he was there. And so the reason that he's not in the second one is because he legitimately just didn't think that he had a need. Hmm. Uh, and that's why the second one is just Doug Jones. Right. Who does just as great of a job, if not yeah. better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. What, what do you think of the, the Abe Sapien character overall? Um... You know, I really like him in this. It was a, a shame to see him wasted in the third Hellboy movie, Shape of Water. Uh, I was yeah. very sad yeah, to see I was, him. I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I love Abe. I love his design. And, you know, he does that a lot. Uh, he produced, he didn't direct it, the, um, that Tooth Fairy movie with Katie Holmes, where it's like the, the things in the house. Yeah. And those are the almost verbatim design for the two fairies that get released at the uh, auction house. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I guess I can't mm. fault him. I guess there is a, a chance that these are all in the same world because I'm sorry, those are the same creature. You can't yeah. tell me otherwise. Um, <laughs> so, um, 
But no, I love Abe. I think that the the design of him is is great. I like it better in the second movie where I get to see him more because in that first movie they just stick him in the tank or underwater mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Especially when he ends up uh, all Luke in episode five in the back. Yeah. yeah. Just sitting there. Let me just yeah. read things from this tube. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so I guess some sequences. I do really like uh, Cronin with the in the museum, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. And that sequence, as well as honestly, anytime he's like flailing his blades, it's amazing. Like the the sound design, the choreography, all of that I love. And I'm so excited when he's back on screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, but for Rasputin, he doesn't totally uh, win it over for me, but that's okay. I, I, I can't think of like a single moment. Other than him maybe opening the portal where I'm like, wow, this is yeah. cool as hell. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is the thing. Chrome, yeah. he's got all sorts of different cool face masks, that sort of steampunk aesthetic. Um, you know, he's, it's, it's got the Darth Maul effect, you know? Mm. It's that cool, silent, badass yeah. uh, feel. Um, the Nazi chick is fine. She's yeah. She's the Nazi chick from Raiders. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. our uh, last crusade, not Raiders. You know, she's fine. Oh, right. Um, sequence wise, the best sequences for me in the first Hellboy, his birth are great. Um, Cronin in the museum's wonderful. I like the uh, fight with Samael in the subway. Yes, um, it's it's great. It's a guy in makeup, oftentimes against a dude in a suit, and it just looks awesome because he knows how to shoot it and make it look good. And yeah. he knows how to make CG. He knows to put CG in the shadows. He's like, I can't make it look great. Put it in darkness. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Just look at Pacific Rim. You yeah. Know, that whole movie is just in the dark. Darkness and rain. You yeah. know? <laughs> um, so it'll cover all your sins. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoy the look of him when he finally, you know, has the horns and the flaming helmet. That's always one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, like, true visual spectacle, this one is definitely pretty light on it. I mean, for yeah. me, this is definitely, I'd say it's my middle of the pack of the three. Same. Same here. Yeah, it's my hard second. Yeah. Uh, what, now, one joke, even though I don't love his humor in the subway sequence where he goes, second date, no tongue. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one that, that that's I, you know, I got a, a good giggle from that. But yeah, the, the subway sequence is great. He Del Toro, like even when you can kind of can kind of see his inspirations, you know, they're they're from a place of love mm-hmm. and passion they're not just like here i'm just gonna rip off this movie or that movie it's like even if it doesn't always um ex- excel and and taking elements from other films or other filmmakers it's like there's just something about him that feels so appreciative mm-hmm. of the of his his idols and 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 other filmmakers and i i think it really comes through in in this movie even if it doesn't um, nail every part of it. Yeah, for sure. This was yeah. a great base. It was a great starting point. Um, and he, I think, knew exactly where he wanted to go, but he had to start somewhere. 
And I think that he knew that he just had to kind of swallow the exposition pill of of Hellboy One, yeah, uh, so that he could really do the sort of things that he really wanted to do with the character. Yeah. Uh, in terms of his inspirations, I could be completely wrong, but the scene where John Hurt is examining Cronin, it almost made me think of Seven with mm. the 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 body in the bed like things things like that are whether it's a nod to that or not i don't know but it, it feels palpable yeah you know well and um i'm sure that if we did a you know a deep dive and i think that you see a lot more of it especially in like the second one yes um, i'm sure that if we did a real deep dive into this this first one we would find especially all sorts of references to um you know, World War II films for that early sequence. Because um, mm-hmm. that early sequence especially feels very Indiana Jones. Um, yes. Which almost feels like something that Neil, Neil Marshall taps into as well for that sequence. But again, we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> later. Um, Not as successful. <laughs> no. So, um, but no, he had to start somewhere and, and this was his best place to start as you could hope for. I think. Yeah. Especially in 2004. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else about the first Hellboy? Brutal soundtrack in this one. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Very (laughs) aggressive soundtrack. That was something that that me and Lauren both uh, talked about was that the soundtrack was so painfully early 2000s. I mean, I'm talking right up there with Spider-Man 1 and 2 level of early 2000s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! No, but um, no, it's good. I like it. Watch yeah. it if if you know. Look, nothing new is coming out. What do you have to lose? <laughs> no, that's very true. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, out of five stars, Paul for Hellboy One. Three. All right, I'll go. I'll go three and a half. I think. Okay, three that's and a half. Fair. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the sequel, which is Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, released four years later. And of course, this one is also directed by Del Toro. It stars basically the same cast, aside from also adding James Dodd, Seth MacFarlane, Luke Goss, Anna Walton, Brian Steele. Uh, and the synopsis is the mythical world starts a rebellion against humanity in order to rule the earth. So Hellboy and his team must save the world from the rebellious creatures. <laughs> Not the best uh, synopsis there. But that's Again, okay. <laughs> a rebellion <laughs> from the magical world. It's one guy. It's one yeah. very pale man. <laughs> And his orcish odd job, Mr. Wick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this one had a, a slightly bigger budget. Uh, it made $168 million against a budget of around $83, $84 million, So, still not a big financial hit, mm-hmm. but was received pretty well critically, yeah. as the first one was for the most part. What are What's your thoughts on this one, Paul? Uh, so, it's... It's such a leap forward in pretty much everything that I liked about the first Hellboy. Uh, and actually rewatching it, like, structurally, 
there are a lot of elements about Hellboy 2 that are very similar. We have Hellboy being challenged by a new agent that's meant to be his handler. We have Hellboy dealing with the relationship with Liz. Um, we have a bad guy who's trying to get a doomsday weapon to reshape reality and humanity, you know, wipe everyone out. And he's got a big monsterish counterpart. And then there's also a, a woman figure as well. So it's kind of like a three and three dynamic. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that sounds like a really bad critique. That sounds like I'm ripping on the movie for ripping on itself, beat for beat. But what I think that the movie really does well is it expands on the relationships. It doesn't do the classic sequel thing of, let's break the characters up again. Liz and Hellboy are still together. They still get to grow. Um, yeah. And again, you know, the first one was a character drama. The second one is still ultimately a character drama with yeah. much better action set pieces. Yes. <laughs> it yes. first throughout it. Um, much more memorable moments, much more memorable character design, because in this one, he can finally really do, I think, what he wanted to do, which was investigate the, the weird world. So we get the mm -hmm. troll market. We get the uh, giant animal, elemental god monster that comes out of the ground. Um you know, he gets to really expand on and do, I think, all of the things that he really had always wanted to do with these characters, but couldn't in the first one. Um, yeah. It's solid Empire Strikes Back effect, you know? Very, yeah, very much so. The stakes are higher, the characters are developing further, we're going to break up the gang. Abe is going to go and hang out with the princess, and Liz is going to, you know, deal with her whole dynamic of what she wants to do with Hellboy, and Hellboy's going to be the pure Han Solo of it all, just trying to figure out <laughs> what's going on and, and where he fits in with it all. Um, but I think it does a lot better. I think that... Um, what's his name? The princess. Uh, or the, the prince. Prince Nuada, I think is his name. Yes. Um, yes. He is a much better bad guy than Rasputin. That's a low bar. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's a low bar. <laughs> um, but he's much better. He's much more interesting. You know, he, he gets to interact more with Hellboy in a more meaningful way than just always showing up and being like, Maha, I am Russian mm. bad guy. <laughs> Join me, Hellboy. You know? Yes. Um, but no, I really enjoy it. And again, you know, to put it in context real quickly, 2008. So by now we've had X-Men The Last Stand. Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Spider-Man 3? Yes. So, God, you want to talk about an oasis in a desert. Mm -hmm. Hellboy, yeah. the Golden Army. Uh, and yeah. I think and now, th this did come out... No, Iron Man 1 came out in 2007, correct? Uh, it's 2007-2008. Oh. It's around that time. Iron Man, let me see. 2007. 2008, so these both came out the same year, it looks like. So, okay. Marvel was just getting going, or the Cinemac universe was just yeah. getting going. Um, so, this was really kind of a dry spell, honestly, for comic book films. I mean, we had Dark Knight. That was another great one at this time. Yeah. Um, but as far as, as comic book movies, this was definitely kind of a dry spell. Blade 3 was more in recent memory. Um, mm. 
So this this film at the time was incredible, but even now I think it holds up as one of the better comic book movies that you can hold up. Yeah. I think that it's got the source material right. I think it has the characters right. I think it has the feel right. Um, it still has some pacing and, and some flow issues, but what Guillermo movie doesn't? Yes, um, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so, you take yeah. with the good with the bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, and uh, touching on, on the characters, that is one thing I, I wanted to mention earlier. That that really is why these movies succeed so much more than the reboot. Yes. They're so character driven and there is a plot that occasionally uh jets in, but it always feels like that's the the characters are what's driving the story. Absolutely. And that's of course what you what you want most of of the time. So Yeah, I mean if there is anything that is saving this film, and it certainly doesn't need saving, but if there is anything that is just, like, single-handedly kind of carrying it along, it's probably Ron Perlman. Yeah. Um, however, he and Doug Jones have great chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. And the chemistry is better in this between him and Abe because we're getting Ron and Doug interacting instead of Ron and Doug interacting and David coming in and doing a voiceover. Yeah. Um, and so we're really getting them bonding in these scenes them in the library is probably the humor is better in this one it is yes um them singing uh in the library drunk together Mm -hmm. good fun moment yes uh what do you think uh i i like this one a lot and it it really as i said earlier it it has just gone up and up over the years uh, the character designs and the world building like del toro is firing on all cylinders here like the troll market amazing yeah like and then uh, also the i don't even know what you would call it the like the the black angel towards the end mm-hmm. the um the winged creature all of that is amazing it's just like these as i mentioned it's like these little injects injections of amazing character designs and creature uh designs it just adds so much to the world and it feels so vibrant and full of life Mm -hmm. which is even these days with the amount of comic book films we've had since it still looks way better and feels more like a movie a self-contained movie than so many others like it i think oh yeah i mean um i recently got a a 4k tv and so i was like if i'm gonna sit down and and watch all three of these i don't have them with me you know all my movies are are back in my apartment in texas and so i was like you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna sit down and and watch these i might as well just rebuy them i'm having to buy the third one anyway and if i'm having to give money to the third one then Mm -hmm. i'm giving money to the other two it's more deserving (laughs) um so Watching the entry into the troll market in 4K, I was like, Diagon Alley in Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone, doesn't have shit on this. <laughs> like, yeah. just that, that one moment was just so great and so cinematic and so thought out that I was like, you know, fuck the cantina, mm-hmm. screw Diagon <laughs> Alley. What is Maz's <laughs> castle even? Like, this yeah, yeah, like, is great. Th- that's, that's the thing. Like, you can see where 
his inspirations are coming from, but it's like Jesus Del yeah. Toro. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's yeah yeah, but it's it's amazing, really amazing. No, and and you know, again, this movie compared to the other ones, so many more memorable moments and ideas. Big Baby, the chasing up the letters as this giant creature just sort of spreads nature. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's whole tragic sort of beautiful death. You know, yeah. it becomes this massive flower. Great stuff. Like, mm-hmm. fantastic work. Really, yeah. really well done. Uh, yeah. And way better color. Both movies oh, are... Yeah. totally. Um, it's color by Deluxe. And I know this because it was really funny. Um, Lauren, my fiance, and I, we were watching a movie recently and we got to the end credits to watch like a post credit scene and it was, you know, color by Technicolor. Hmm. And she was like, Oh, what a surprise color by Technicolor. And I was like, color does every once in a while get done by a different house. <laughs> and yeah. she was like, does it really? And I was like, yeah, every yeah, once sometimes. in a while. And so then we got to the end of the first Hellboy and it was color by Deluxe. And I was like, ha, see, and uh, <laughs> Hellboy two is color by Deluxe as well. But Clearly, Guillermo had, I think, like a better sense of what he wanted to do with color because it's so much more impactful and meaningful in this film. Um, Also, kind of a breakaway star for me for Hellboy 2. I think it's maybe his best acting that he's ever done. Uh, Seth MacFarlane as Johan Kraus. Yes. Top notch. Yeah. (laughs) And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like constantly reminding myself wait a minute this is seth mcfarlane mm-hmm. it's probably the only time i like seth mcfarlane is when i can't see him <laughs> <laughs> so the orville is a real struggle for you yeah i mean it's like something like uh uh logan lucky or something like i it, seeing that it's him it's just too distracting mm-hmm. it, it it's not that he gives every it's not that his performances are all bad it's just that something about him is so distracting just it's like knowing that it's tyler him. perry a little bit yeah when he's not doing like a tyler perry thing like when i see tyler perry in vice i'm like the hell where are you <laughs> yeah yeah like and then seeing him in gone girl as well yeah tyler yeah, perry yeah. like he's amazing in it but it's so weird to see him in that yeah uh him in star trek yeah I'm totally. like, Tyler, you're doing a great job, but did you did you just walk on here and no one told you no? Like yeah. did you end up here on accident? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah but no. no, the he he's great and that that's another amazing memorable character that you just don't see that often anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's you can see there's real care being put in those designs and it it's like a, a smorgasbord of different elements and ideas it's so interesting to watch well um the only there's only honestly one character in the second hellboy movie that really just does not work for me on any level and it's the princess yeah she is sure. so just there mm-hmm. to give some stakes to get the piece into the prince's hands um heavy heavy plot device character yeah and 
you know, whoever is under that makeup, she does her job admirably. This is, again, it's a thankless part like Jonathan Myers. Like, you are... You were solidly pissing uphill with this character for yourself. Like, you were so working hard for for no other reason than you have to. Um, yeah. Because if you don't, it's just going to be worse. <laughs> no, yeah. be so much You're worse. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah, she's not amazing in it. I, I do like the, the brother, though, the prince. His performance and the the design of the character is very interesting and and what you said about they have more meaningful interactions with hellboy is a a very uh large mark in the movie's favor i think yeah absolutely um honestly like i don't really have a lot of negative notes on hellboy too um yeah i really think it's it's a pretty strong gold standard of um of a comic book movie, of a Hellboy movie. Um, and it's definitely more of what I would have wanted with the character. Um, yeah. But, the you know, unfortunately, even with a, a pretty solid social media push by Ron Perlman, um, they couldn't get Lionsgate to bite on a third one. Hmm. With Guillermo, they got them to bite on a third one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that worked out so well. <laughs> oh yeah, you gave the people what they wanted. It's uh, it's community without Dan Harmon all over again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't really have a whole lot of negative points aside from there is, uh, or there are a, a couple pacing issues for sure. It's a bit long. The third act maybe goes on a little long. I think that final fight is a little extended, but that you know, n- not a big deal. The yeah, the uh, the the leaf flower creature that that whole fight is great. It the I'm trying, what was the other one? Um, Him versus the, I guess, the troll in the market. Yeah, yeah, that's great. The the fairy attack uh, in the in the house, all of that, how it's shot. The look, uh, the score is better in this one. Not a great soundtrack, still brutal. <laughs> That's one thing I have. One of my favorite sort of like running gags throughout this movie is the bombastic, like, this is the hero entrance music as Hellboy completely whiffs the entry. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, it's the big bombastic hero music and it's him getting himself up out of the rubble pile and, you know, dusting yeah. himself off and... Hey, <laughs> yeah, it's just the opposite of graceful. Um, yeah, and that was one of my favorite moments that that had me laughing regularly. Was just the and here's the big music and here's the big entry and he whiffed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, with with Ron Perlman, it's one of those performances that he truly is that character so you mm-hmm. aren't even really thinking about how good he is yeah he, he seems so at home in that role even in the first one really it you don't even i'm not even thinking about that being one of the best parts of the movie because no. it's like it's out of your mind because it's so natural yeah he's just in it it yeah it's it's right up there with robert downey as tony stark with yeah. Heath Ledger as the Joker, like it is a full integration of character. Yeah, or uh, Downey as Doolittle. 
that was that was fully integrated in a way, mm. I suppose. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was integrated with drugs and alcohol, but you know, <laughs> yeah. it was fully integrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um. The troll market scene, there are just so many designs and it's so I as you you said that the humor is better. So I was laughing more in this one. Um, The uh, the fake death of Seth MacFarlane's character that the batting of the the locker doors yes. and all that stuff is great. <laughs> well, and I love that he then takes it like his ethereal shape. And then, like, truly struts out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, one, I guess the only one criticism I have of this, and she's not in it a whole lot, I don't love Selma Blair in this. Okay. I, I think her performance just doesn't feel that invested. I don't know if that's more, more so the script or something, but... And, and maybe that's tied to the the love story, but... She, she's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. I don't really fault her for that, but I think in the scenes where she has to be very emotional, she doesn't totally sell it for me. Mm-hmm. But again, that's a small part of the film. Uh, otherwise, it's just it, it's a great sequel. I can't wait for the third one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll get it. Yeah. Maybe. Crazier things have happened. We got a sequel to T2 after three other. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes. So, um, you know. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in particular about this one. Mm. Mm. Not really. Anything I else think, for I, you, really? No, I mean, it's great. Doug Jones does a great job. Yeah. You know? um, it's just, it's a really great comic book film and it's a great comic book film if you want to watch something that isn't an adaptation from one of the big two houses yeah yeah it it also because of the year that it came out it's before everything needed to be a cinematic universe yeah you know and while there are bits of setup and um follow-ups in this movie it's like it's it feels so weird watching something that you're not constantly thinking, okay, this is for, you know, Captain America seven, yeah. eight years from now, you know, it, it, it's, it just is as self-contained as a sequel could be. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Uh, on one, one brief uh, or quick character design that I love is the, guy towards the end with no legs oh the troll the, yeah the troll guy yeah him that like that's just classic del toro genius yeah you know? it's just and and as we've touched on you just don't see that very often in in big blockbusters especially no absolutely i mean um and even if we saw it in a big blockbuster odds are it would have been you know CG extensions, CG character, you know, he'd have been zooming around in some sort of ridiculous cartoonish way. Um, yeah. And uh, no, he has a hard, hard respect and a hard authority for practicality when you can be practical. Um, yeah. And it, it holds up so 
much better because of it. These movies yeah. look great. I was rewatching Terminator 2 uh, yesterday, day before. Looks great still. Why? Yeah. Because they are throwing cars off of things. They are blowing things up. Yeah. You know, they are finding the right ways to do the makeup, to light the makeup, to, to put the prosthetics on. Um, and so, you know, Del Toro has that same sort of mindset of, you know, keep it as real as possible, keep it as rugged as possible. And it just, it makes the film hold up so much better. So if, even if you are at all, you know, if, if you're listening to this without having watched the Hellboy films, one, I'm confused why you're here. Two, um, fret not about it looking terrible. It's going to look better than most of the crap that you watch nowadays anyway. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. Honestly. Uh, oh, and to go on a brief um, sidebar here, you must have loved, with all that being said, uh, Dark Fate terminator uh, i haven't watched <laughs> oh oh paul you have to if you love if you love practical effects uh, james cameron is back producing he makes it he makes sure they get it right oh i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure I, I, i'm sure you must have been heartbroken to hear about avatar two three four and five being getting pushed delayed back. yeah uh yeah yeah the tragedy of tragedies <laughs> um you know what now, at this point uh, it is i just need to watch something now <laughs> yeah yeah for sure now have you seen the hellboy animated films i have not no there's um, a couple animated ones that i am aware of them i think i have seen one of them like a while ago in some sort of context um but i didn't i i certainly didn't like get up on any of that before yeah. this i just i well, was like we're doing the, the big live action ones so yeah well i saw that i i don't have them but i saw that they're i, I don't have them but that they, they are available on 4k you may have to pop oh, on those no uh <laughs> there's a laundry list of things i need first <laughs> yeah same same uh all right well uh anything else about hellboy 2 no not really all right uh out of five uh honest probably four and a half yeah same for me yeah all right well let's get to the good stuff here let's get to the hellboy reboot which came out in 2019 and this one is directed by neil marshall it stars david harbour as hellboy it also has sasha lane Oh boy, the cast is all mixed up here. Brian Gleason, uh, Ian McShane, Daniel Day Kim. Yep, uh, Mila Jovovich, uh, and a few others. I think the synopsis is based on the graphic novels by Mike Mingola. Wait, how you say it? Mick Mingola. Mingola. By Matt. Oh my God, I can't talk. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy. Caught between the worlds of the supernatural and human, battles an ancient sorceress bent on revenge. This that, one, uh, against a budget of fifty million, made forty four point seven million. Ha, so it's ha, ha, ha. so the lowest grossing of all three, and the most uh, poorly received critically, and the cheapest well. made. Yeah. And you can tell. 
Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to start this one? Uh, I guess. Uh, I so this one had a lot of production troubles, as it <laughs> seems like a lot of Lionsgate produced blockbusters do. Like they, they're the studio that brought us Gods of Egypt, Paul. Mm. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. And. I had heard about the movie when it came out. I had some curiosity. I liked Neil Marshall because he did The Descent, Mm -hmm. which is a fantastic horror film. I was excited that it was R-rated, which I guess that's what we should say is this one brought in the R rating, whereas the first two were PG-13. I didn't see it in theaters, but I I was kind of waiting for it to become cheap enough to, to rent. It's a, it it's not good per se. <laughs> uh I want to love it so much because there are interesting elements to it. Mm-hmm. I I don't think David Harbour is as good a Hellboy as Ron Perlman. I think he he doesn't fill the shoes but he doesn't do like such a horrible job that you're just like tearing your eyes out. I don't think He's serviceable in the role, but it's essentially the opposite of what we've just discussed. It's plot driven. It's poorly written. The the characters are nothing in the movie, really. The relationships are forced and Mm -hmm. cliched. It doesn't look very good for the most part. There are, are a few interesting character designs, but the CG is awful. Even when it, like it first came out, it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. I, it's boring. It's like talk about pacing issues. Oh, this yeah. movie, like I paused it thirty minutes in and rewatching it, and I knew how far I had gotten because I had seen it before. I could not believe I was only thirty minutes in. I was yeah. like, oh my god, I still have an hour and a half left. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like two hours already. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the one one strong point of the movie, I really enjoy Mila Jovovich. Yeah. She's kind of at home in this genre, in these B-movie or these B-grade blockbusters. Like, she's known for the Resident Evil movies, especially. But I I really like her. I really like the assembling of the, the body parts. All of that is excellent. And that's, like, very Del Toro-esque, kind of getting back to those interesting designs. but. They're too and too few and far between. I love Sasha Lane from American Honey. She is not good in this. I'm not blaming her. Her accent is so off. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, She and Daniel Day Kim. That love story is just, or even I don't even know what it is really. That partnership is nothing. And those accents on both of them are terrible. Yes. Neither of them can do it. Yeah. Um. Well, that that's just that's just a few thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> just a few. Um, no, I mean you're completely right. Um, so I started here. Uh, uh, Lauren and I talked about it, and it was like you know we can either we can either go through the the two Del Toro ones and then finish on the 2019 one, or we can start at the 2019 one and then finish with the good ones. Yeah, and see that that's what I I did actually. Yeah, just, absolutely. I, yeah. Best way to do it. Uh, <laughs> Get this uh, one out of the way. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give the movie this. Mila Jovovich is doing her her darndest on making that part work. 
Um, the Grugok is a good design, and I like that he is sometimes a puppet. Um, David Harbour is the right actor for the part in a script that is written more like a Del Toro film. Yeah. He does not do discount Deadpool, discount Ash from the Evil Dead. Yeah. Well, and that's really what they do is they take Hellboy and they're like, we're going to turn him into Ash and Ash versus the Evil Dead, a Deadpoolian sort of, um, you know, loudmouth vulgar anti-hero with a certain level of awareness. Um, and honestly, like his relationship with um, Professor Broom in this one isn't even as good because Ian McShane no. is just giving me play Ian McShane. Like, I'm yeah. just getting standard issue Ian McShane. Yeah. It was enough of a paycheck to get him out of bed. It was not <laughs> enough of one to get him to act. Um, yeah. There are some things that I really, again, wish that I did like more. I like the notion of this giant hunting society. That seems yeah. like a lot of fun. Too bad it's wasted. Mm -hmm. um, I like the notion of this were-jaguar thing that you have going. Too bad it's wasted because you pissed away your CG budget everywhere else in the movie so that I only get, like, two minutes of this Jaguar at, at the main fight and then, like, some glances of him during the final sequence where we actually figured out the Hellboy movie that we wanted to make. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, overall, it's just a, it's a disorderly, often ugly mess David Harbour is having to act past, I think, more makeup than Ron Perlman had. And yeah, I think that that's so. holding him back as well, is because he's trying to, you know, emote past 20 pounds on his face alone. Mm -hmm. um, no, it's just messy. It's mm -hmm. It has a lot, a lot of the same problems for me that, like, early Bond movies have, which is, like, great. This is a fun enough sequence, I guess, but, like, why am I watching this character do this right now? This is yeah. not the order of events that the plot should be taking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why is it like this? Um, and, yeah, for the R rating, it, for me, it's, it's even more sanitized than the del toro ones because at least in the del toro ones i'm getting some real stuff in there where i can feel the sweat and the grime in the head this it's just it's so perpetually cg that none of it matters in any kind of way yeah. what is hellboy's vulnerability i don't know what's his ability level i don't know he goes from competent you know stone-fisted winter soldier over here mm -hmm. to you know Mr. Magoo. Uh, <laughs> and it's a frustrating film on a lot of levels. Um, and it clearly thought it was getting sequels, which is laughable beyond laughable. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that I wanted a shitty prequel to the first Hellboy movie, and I'm glad that I got it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, it can't even yeah. do the birth sequence as well <laughs> oh it's brutal brutal the it's... best thing about it was like the 3d lenses like the red and blue with the swastika on the red one just the pure yeah. style now thomas hayden church can as be the funny. lobster yeah 
I could not. I could. It just was so bad in this. I I did not like him. It and with Del Toro, he feels more genuine and going over the top. Mm-hmm. But Neil Marshall, he he can be stylized, but it's not really goofy. Yeah. You know, it's more horror oriented, and you get more more of that towards the end. But I don't like the birth sequence in this. The I do re- really like the priest slaughter <laughs> yeah that's uh that's that's good the yeah the, the the messiness of the movie the editing i i couldn't really tell you what the first two like i couldn't really describe in detail what the first two were about but in this one it's like what the hell is going on <laughs> you know like just so many plot events after plot event after plot event and it's like so you're telling me that this group of giant hunters brought him out here to kill him on the day that they also still needed to kill the giants, but didn't think, hey, let's use them to kill the giants first, and then we'll kill him after. No. You were yeah. like, hey, mid-objective, let's do a side quest. And, <laughs> and it was the most doomed idea fathomable, and it just it makes you mad because it's like this isn't good suspense this isn't good tension this is just stupidity these people yeah. are just blatantly stupid and the movie just goes like that alice learning how to punch spirits out of people mm, love that how'd you learn that i don't know <laughs> well that i'm glad it's here thank you yeah. i'm glad yeah. this was an earned moment um and, you know, you run into the same issue. And then I had all sorts of questions. I was like, why can't she punch the spirit out of everyone? And, mm-hmm. you know, my fiance was like, oh, I think it's just dead people. And I'm like, well, that wasn't made clear. Okay. <laughs> like, it no. wasn't made clear that she could only punch the spirits out of undead zombies. So, uh, yeah. just a just a schlock fest. It makes Resident Evil look like art. Like, yeah. <laughs> honestly, it should have been a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. This would have been in better hands. Yes. With him. And I never thought that I would ever utter that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Paul, I can't wait to tell you our next bonus show together. <laughs> uh, is it Resident Evil? Hey, I mean, why not? Sure. Uh, Screw it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it's, I feel like it's all just made up on the spot. You mm-hmm. know, it's convenience. It's, it's not thoughtful at all. Uh, because really all of it is to service the plot it's not it doesn't really care about the characters all that much from what i can see no not at all Um, you know and the talking about humor the like the joke about him touching his phone (laughs) and breaking it the worst you know i got a light touch (laughs) phone shit (laughs) great joke (laughs) yeah it happens two or three times at least i'm Uh, laughing now (laughs) yeah I now I do like the I don't know what you would call it the flashback or the dream sequence where it it's like you see Hellboy in medieval times and you know and I or I guess that's what it is it's like I think that's like post apocalyptic okay yeah. I think it's like a vision of like you know it's Lady Galadriel in the water you know something okay. that have not yet come to pass gotcha yeah that that I like the the look of it. I just wish there was more of it. Yeah. You know? And, you know, um, Ron Perlman, whenever he let the demon out, always felt in control. And that was one note that I really had about this movie, was that when David Harbour lets the demon out and becomes Hellboy, 
I was like, oh, so you're just like a slave to like this raw power that you have. Like you're no better than Jean Grey in the third X-Men movie. Like yeah. you're just sort of a slave to its will until that moment where your uh, hairball father ghost uh, tells you not to. Um, yeah. What a great hero moment. Uh, <laughs> so it was, and it's such a shame because I love David Harbour and I've enjoyed him. I've, I've enjoyed seeing David Harbour randomly since Revolutionary Road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which again is like 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. Yep. Um, and so then when he got on Stranger Things, I was like, I love this actor. And then I found out that he was Hellboy and I was like, that's the right call. Like if I had to pick someone after Ron Perlman, that's probably the right guy. Right. Um, and he just got, he got stuck with a shit hand. Like he got yeah. dealt just a bad hand. Um, and him getting the part was even like a whole hubbub for him because then it became like this entire toxic like fan war online with people like that were really butthurt about what happened to Ron Perlman. And Ron yeah. Perlman was very openly publicly angry about what happened to DeGuillermo and, and Hellboy 3. Yeah. Um, and I can't say that I blame him. Um, you know, you maybe weren't hitting big, but you were hitting. Yeah. Um, and currently, they're now at a, at a loss on this franchise. And so it's like, which did, did you prefer, guys? Did you prefer your little money or did you prefer your, your no money? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's a good way to put it. it. It just feels so recycled. Yeah. You know, with, with no heart. Uh, Clearly, look, no offense to, to anyone who, like, you know, worked on this, to Neil Marshall, to anyone involved. And I'm sure that for them, they do have some level of interest, but like Guillermo got it. You know, mm. he clearly knew who the character was. He clearly bonded with it. It's a classic sort of, you know, Frankenstein's monster kind of story. And I think that that old gothic horror element of the character clicked with Del Toro so well that then you get to Neil Marshall, who did one good horror movie. And one really weird, almost Resident Evil movie. And he was like, what vein do I go down? Well, Guillermo already went down that one, so I guess I'll go down this one. And I respect that urge for, like, not wanting to go down the same path, but, like, this whole thing was a disaster. Um, <laughs> and none of, it, none of it feels like Hellboy. Oh, my God. I, Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. One of the ugliest things I've ever seen put on yes. film. And not even in a, this was fun design. It is just hard to look at. Yes. Um, geez. And, <laughs> and I, 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 Bobby Yaga is a fun, interesting character in the comics. You know, she acts as she does in Russian folklore in the comics. And I don't know what this wooden legged, almost Miyazaki and horror figure was. Mm. But no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In talking about Neil Marshall and, and the, I think one of the best moments where you see inspiration and style come through is the, uh, the final attack, like city demolish monster attack, like where the, it becomes almost like mortal combat. Yeah. Like where he's shredding people in half and like 
skin is being peeled off the where he's walking and you see bodies are stacked like are almost his bones of his legs. Yeah. Like that stuff I love. And I would, I just wish there was so much more of that consistently, but it's like you get these little sneak peeks at a world that is so much more interesting than what you've seen for the last two hours. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also, I don't know, maybe maybe some of the old stories are kisses of death, but I feel like lately every movie that has included like King Arthur and its lore or Robin Great Hood. Great film. <laughs> <laughs> Transformers, uh, The Last yes. Night included some King Arthur and its mythos. Hellboy. Oh, oh, see, the thing, okay, with The Last Night, I think the best part of that movie is the opening medieval fight. Probably. You know, now Stanley Tucci's whole thing. I, you know, what get that it? out of there. But yes, but no, I, I agree. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, if if I could ask for anything, it would just be that we eventually get a third Hellboy movie. But unfortunately, I know that we're not going to get that. We're just going to get another probably ill-conceived reboot down the road. Yeah. That will, if we're lucky, be better than this Hellboy, but will probably not reach the heights of golden army and if we're lucky it'll be as good as the first hellboy was and that's like our current benchmark is like let's at least try and get back to comfortable good yeah we're gonna get another amazing spider-man before we get yeah yeah we're gonna get a lot of things before we get another hellboy movie yeah um i'm trying to think if there's the yeah the the cg i it's just yeah already very dated Dated, overused, overused, and yet underutilized. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see if there's anything else about this one. I, I don't mind the giant fight. No, it's fun there, enough. There, there's too much CG blood, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a moment of excitement, I guess. And, like, I don't mind the notion of the giant fight. I just hate its placement, I guess. Yes. For, yeah, totally. All right. Well, now, I, I mean, I guess since it's been a year since you've you've been on this show, we could talk a little bit about, well, I mean, I guess we can give star ratings and then we can maybe just touch on a couple comic book movies very briefly. Um, recent ones. Uh, out of five for the Hellboy reboot. Half call. a star. I'll go. I'll go too because I do love those. Um, you know what? Horror... I'll give it a whole star for David Harbor alone. Okay, it's his star. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yes. Just he him. gets it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, just as a little epilogue, I guess, Paul. What's how did last year uh, look for you, comic book movie wise, or or just movie wise? I mean, if you know it, no rules here. So. Um... So, movie-wise, it was kind of um, a slow year for me, I guess. Um, So, during the time that, like, a whole bunch of new movies were coming out and that kind of thing, um, I was just starting teaching. I was in a long-distance relationship. Um, My fiancé was living in New York. I was living in Texas. So, we had, you know, a lot of job constraint issues, a lot of... uh, time constraint issues and so actually in terms of new movies like did not see a lot um for like the last year pretty far behind 
Um, but what did what what did she think of Joker? I haven't seen it. Oh, really? Okay, I'd, I'd be curious to see what you think. Um, the last new movie that I saw, I guess, was okay. So I saw Greyhound recently. I watched that with my parents. How was that? <sighs> it's fine. Yeah, your dad will love it. <laughs> Seemed uh, fine. <laughs> um. I saw, I've seen some other new things. I've seen Onward. You know, I've seen some of the stuff that's been released at home. Uh, mm. I saw Hamilton. Um, but I've been really going back and sort of revisiting a lot of older stuff that I very much enjoy. Um, or even some stuff that, like, I kind of remember liking, but I want to see if I still like it. Um, <laughs> and so I've been doing a lot of that, especially with Lauren, because, you know, she's a, a stage and, and theater person. And so. Mm. Film and television isn't necessarily quite as much her her bag, and so there's been a lot of of return to nice. Um, there have been some new things um, as far as the state of film right now. Um, I don't know. As far as the new things that were coming out, honestly, I wasn't too compelled. Um, not, not a Mulan. <laughs> I was more interested out of all the Disney live action remakes Mulan was the one that had my interest probably the most peaked mm. just because it, it was trying to be like a, a proper Chinese big budget action movie with high wire work yes. um, and I was like that looks cool at least it's not going to be Beauty and the Beast mm. um, yes. so hey, but now hey, we're getting our own little spinoff Disney Plus series Beauty and the Beast yeah yeah so yeah excited for that um but you know so i guess regarding the state of cinema is like especially now that i've got you know i've got a great sound system i've got a fucking great tv i'm not sure what greater reason i have to leave the house because yeah i do miss watching theaters on a screen but you know what i don't miss shitheads in my theater oh and, yeah and management yeah, that refuses to kick shitheads out. Mm -hmm. um, so, I'll say this, you know, I love movies. I'll always love movies. There are plenty of movies that I am still excited about, just not as many as I used to be. But if movies really, I think, want people back after the shutdown that we're in right now, you have to offer people better than the ninth Dark Phoenix reboot. Great film. You know, the 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 third Disney, you know, Wreck-It Ralph sequel. Yeah. Like, you need, I think, that to really get people to, like, come back, I need stuff from people like Jordan Peele, from people like Guillermo, from mm -hmm. people like uh, Chris Nolan. And I respect the hell out of him for pushing Tenet. I think he needs yeah. to give up the ghost, but I still yeah. respect the hell out of him for doing it. Because um, honestly, like, I don't know, maybe I'll see Black Widow in theaters. Yeah. And like, I love the MCU. You know me. I have seen mm -hmm. literally the first entirety of phase one through phase three. Every single one of them. Theater, opening night, boom. Yeah. Um, didn't miss a one. I might miss Black Widow. Yeah. Well. With, with, with that being said, what did you think of Endgame? Loved it. Um, yeah. I think 
It's fun. I think it's exciting. I think that it ends a lot of things the way that I wanted it to. I think that it dropped the ball in some places that it shouldn't have. Um, I think that the only person thus far who has really known how to write the Hulk effectively was Joss Whedon. Hmm. I think Taika made him a humorous character in Ragnarok, which worked there. And then I feel like the Russos ran with that. And I felt like that kind of undercut some of what I wanted to have happen with Bruce and with Hulk um, across both films, mm. uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Um, but I ultimately really enjoyed it a lot. It's not my favorite of the MCU. Um, it's probably top five, but it's not yeah. my favorite one. Yeah. What is your favorite? Civil War, maybe? Hmm. Or Winter Soldier? Yeah, Winter Soldier is mine. Probably one of those two, just because I think that that's where you get a lot more, again, nuance, a lot more character moment. Um, there's some really good, profound stuff. You know, unfortunately, Endgame, and a lot of people call it a critique of the MCU, but like, get over it. You binge hmm. watch shit all the time. Don't be a crybaby. You watch yeah. how much Game of Thrones nerd? Shut up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you can call it a critique. The movies do build on each other. It is a series. It is sequential. You have to fucking show up. Yeah. Um, and so Endgame is predicated on like the emotional reliefs of 20-some films. Um, and so I was super into it because I was a part of that whole journey. Um, but, you know, as a standalone film, like, I would probably just call it good. Yeah. If that makes sense, it's great because of what it stands for and because of what it is, and it ends the story well. Right. But as far as like individual chapters, it's not my favorite chapter of the book. Yeah. Well, what? Um. Oh. Uh. Oh. Yeah. Are you interested in seeing the Justice League Snyder cut? Am I interested in seeing it? No. Am I going to see it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, because I already have HBO Max. Um, oh, lucky guy. Well, my parents already had HBO, so, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah, auto upgrade. It helps. Yeah. Um, and so, will I watch it? Yes. I'm glad that they have already clarified, like, no, we aren't bringing this back. No, this is not. Mm. You're going to get the Justice League 2. Um because I didn't want it to be that. I didn't want this to be like them testing something. I really do give them a lot of credit for allowing Zack Snyder to come back and do this because I can understand him wanting to come back and finishing it after what happened. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like with Hellboy, you know, it was Guillermo's baby. And then suddenly they were like, no, we're going to take it. We're going to interfere with it. We're going to give it to someone else who isn't going to get it as well. And they're going to do what we tell them to. And it's going to be fine. Yeah. And you just can't do that shit. It's been proven literally almost all of the time. Um, so right, wrong or indifferent. Um, am I going to watch it? Yes. Do I look forward to it? No. Why? I saw Batman versus Superman. Um, so will it be better than the, what we have already? It'll just be a different taste of shit. It'll be an hour longer. (laughs) (laughs) It'll just be, it'll just be someone else's terrible cooking. Um, 
you know, it's, I'm trying to think of a, of a good option to describe it. It's, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that I'll pick one as a favorite. Yeah. That being what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go and buy up, I am going to do this, I'm going to buy up the old Justice League on disc before it can no longer be found. (laughs) That's a good call. A good call. Because I didn't realize this, uh, in the old Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr., the first one, it's not uh, Jared Harris as Moriarty. Right. And so now if you go and buy like a more recent version of Sherlock, they've gone back and they've changed it. Oh. And it's no longer the first guy. It's now Jared Harris. And so I've got like one of the old Blu-rays from before Jared Harris was cast. And like I'm holding oh, on right. to it for the rest of forever. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and like the moment that uh, NBC was like, we're pulling all of the episodes of 30 Rock with Blackface. I was like, I'm going to go and find it on disc. And so like I went and I got it on complete series. Uh, and so now I have all of the contraband. I have all the... <laughs> All the ones they don't want you to see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to pick up, and I never thought that I would spend this much money on Justice League, uh, but I'm definitely going to buy it before it before it uh, is gone forever. Yeah. All right. Well, um, any, anything else about either Hellboy or cinema in general, Paul? <laughs> um, I'll say this about cinema. Um, so I've been going through all of the old... Um, Bond films with Lauren and I do absolutely adore how much historical context and information is in the context of the film yeah um, and one thing that I truly love is going back and you you pick up on okay you know this is this is a, a prominent theme that they were dealing with at this time because I'm seeing it in this movie and in this movie and in this movie and in this movie all thrown within three years of each other. Um, and so I think that film is such an exciting medium um, because unlike stage, you know, which can capture a moment in time in how it was written, but it'll never capture that moment in time again in how it sounds. Yeah. And so film, I think, just has this really great ability for you to capture a moment, capture a time, capture a sense of the artist at work, because it also is, you know, part signature, part portrait. Um, And so I love films. I would love to be as excited about movies as I once used to be. Um, Back at the UNCG days. Honestly, I think even earlier than that. Um, Yeah. Uh, but no, because it is so great, and when you really get like a great film going, like you do have a wonderful, wonderful piece of art on your hands. And uh, yeah. watch more movies; they're a great intro into understanding people. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean that's, and we've talked about it on the regular show, but that's. One of my favorite things about watching older films mm-hmm. is like you you truly get to look into another time, you yeah. know it's like those even if it's a, a staged um or it's a set, it's still like it's still nineteen forty five or or, or mm-hmm. whenever it is, you know, so I think that's interesting on its own, 
Even if the movie is shit, (laughs) you know, it's like, you know, it, it, it's just a a great look into another time. So I, uh, that's a good way to put it. All right. Well, uh, I guess that about does it for the show. Uh, Paul, always a great time. And I'm glad that you're doing well and it's good to see you, man. Yeah. It's great to see you. Um, thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy coming on. Um, yeah, whenever you want me around, I'm always around. So yeah, I t- hey tonight I might brush off my Resident Evil uh, Blu-ray. Okay, so. okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, um, but no, you're you're welcome anytime for either another bonus show or for if you want to uh, come on the regular show as well. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely, I'd love to. Um, you know, hit me up, let me know, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll have to get you on to uh, same show sometime. Please, I, I would love to. I would love to. Um, all right. Well, uh, everybody, thank you so much again for downloading. Again, the donations just go to help support the the show. So we really appreciate that. Uh, to the you know nth degree, I, I really do appreciate you doing that. All right. Well, we we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and we'll see you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.